0: Amen. So we're on a we're in a series. This is part three in our series, and I'm going to do a little bit of review. So if you weren't here the last two, then you'll you'll get a crash course and uh, and we'll catch you up a little bit, and then we'll move into some new territory. But we're talking about following God's plan for your life, and uh, I'm excited about this uh, about this study really. So uh, we'll start out with Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So, number one, we see God does indeed have a plan for our lives, and not not just a plan, but plans for our lives. So, he's got plans for each of our lives. And the the second thing that we see in this is that the plan that he has for us is good, He's got a plan for our life. He said, I know the plans I have for you, and they're plans to prosper you, he says, and not to harm you, and plans to give you hope and a future. So the plan that God has for us, it's a good plan. It's to prosper us. It's to give us hope. It's to give us a future. Praise God. It's not a bad plan. It's not to do us harm. It's not to bring difficulty and hardship into our lives, but it's a plan of blessing. It's a plan of good things, it's a plan of purpose. It's a plan of fulfillment. When we follow, when we follow uh, God's plan, we'll be the most fulfilled uh, that we could possibly be as human beings. Uh, we'll never, you'll never be satisfied unless you're following God's plan for your life. You'll never be truly satisfied until then. Praise God. And then number three is this: you can, you can know and follow God's plan uh, on purpose. It's not God's plan is not just something that just you're just stumbling and wandering through life and, and it's just the plan of God is just going to happen to you, it, 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 we can know that plan. We can, we can understand it, we can recognize it, and we can purposefully, actively, follow, intentionally follow that plan for our lives. He, he goes on to say here in verse number, uh, verse number 12, he says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you verse 13 you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and verse 14 says i will be found by you declares the lord so we can we can discover that plan we can know it we can know god and in knowing god we can know and understand and discover his plan for our lives praise god and the plan for your life for my life for each one of us for all Whatever billion, however many billion people, or you know, there's more people alive right now than have ever lived cumulatively uh, from the from the beginning of mankind up until now. And uh, if you add every, add it all together, so, uh, but but the plan for every human being, uh, the divine plan, is written in God's book. Say, so where do you get that? Well, right here, Psalm one thirty nine verse sixteen. It says this, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in whose book? Your book, meaning God's book, were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God has written your story, your your life plan into his book. He's included you in his book. Isn't that exciting? to know that God's included you, He knows you. You know, Jesus said the very hairs of our head are numbered. And so God has written your life plan, your divi- the divine plan that He has for your life, He's written it in to His book. You have a part in God's great story and God's great plan of redemption. Praise God. You know, it talks about people that, that reject the plan of God and reject Jesus being blotted out, Right? Their, blo- their names are blotted out of the book. But guess what? They're, they're, to be blotted out, it means they have to be written in there to begin with. You can't erase something that's not there to begin with. Right. right? Amen. And so, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, that when he says, all the days ordained for me, that's not necessarily every single day of your life. Because we've all had days... Bad days that God didn't ordain that. You know, God didn't. You know, God didn't. God didn't orchestrate that. God didn't ordain that. Days of days of tragedy, uh, days of loss, days of grief. You know, God didn't ordain those days. Now He can redeem them. He can turn them to good, but He doesn't ordain those. But He's got appointed days and appointed times for our lives. Points of decision. Uh, forks in the road that's uh, an ordained day that if we'll, if we'll listen to him and follow him then it will keep us on course with his plan now we've all messed up and we've, we've not, uh, not I don't know that there's anybody that's perfectly followed and, and made the right decision on those ordained days we've all gotten off track but thank God he's got lots of on ramps back onto his plan. So when we repent, when we turn back to Him, we can get right back on His plan and, and on course with His plan for our life. Amen? Praise God. And uh, so I want us to look at... at uh, we, we looked at some uh, Bible examples, some, some pe- people in the Bible uh, who discovered and walked in God's plan uh, for their life. And we looked at Paul a little bit, but I want to go back to him uh, again in Galatians 1. And verse 15, and this is in the New Living, Paul says this, he says, But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. Now think about that. (coughs) Listen, who's saying this? Paul, who at the beginning was named what? Saul. And for years and years, Saul was, he was raised as a Pharisee, and he persecuted the church. He was there when they stoned Stephen. Stephen, one of the, the, one of the first deacons, one of the early followers of Jesus, Stephen was stoned for preaching the gospel by the Jewish religious leaders. And, and um, Saul was there consenting to his death. And uh, they laid the people that stoned him. Uh, Saul didn't throw any of the, of the stones but the 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 ones that did to stone Stephen, they laid their coats down at Saul's feet and they said, Here, you watch our coats while we go stone him. And, and and Saul gave a thumbs up. He was consenting to Stephen's death. And he was persecuting the church. When Jesus appeared to him, he was on his way. He wasn't seeking Jesus. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest uh any followers of Jesus that he might find there. And uh and and so but look but Paul says, Saul, at the time Saul, he says, even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me, so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. So think about that. God chose Paul before he was born. For years he went, went along, Saul went along persecuting the church. And, and, and that just goes to show you how God. God can have his hand on your life and have a and, and be working his purpose in your life even before you recognize it, even if you're even when you're working against him. What a wonderful God. What a merciful God. I look back on my life, and I never persecuted the church, but I look back on my life and I've thought about this many times, and I can see, God, you had your hand on me even before I was smart enough to recognize it. And I'm still not as smart as I'm going to be. I'm still learning, right? But uh, I, even even when I really wasn't acknowledging Him or walking with Him at all, He still had His hand on my life, guiding me into the right. What a what a faithful Father, isn't it? You can just relax and know, hey, God is going to guide me uh, into His will, into His plan. Amen. Praise God. And look at what look at what Paul. Uh, I was, I was really struck by, by the way he's opened almost all of his letters. Uh, let's, uh, let me just take you through them quickly. 1 Corinthians. Here's, the, here's how he opens 1 Corinthians. Look at this. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. 2 Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Ephesians. Paul... An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Colossians. We got Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And then 2 Timothy begins this way. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Praise God. And so he knew you know, this was, this, that, that he was an apostle. He was called. God's purpose. It was the will of God that he be doing what he was doing. Amen. Praise God. We ought to start our letters, our emails. You ought to put <laughs> we ought to all put a just put a permanent heading on our emails. You know, David called to be a pastor by the will of God. You know, whatever, you know, whatever God's called you to do, we need to em- we need to embrace it and be so convinced of it just like Paul was of his calling. Amen. And of God's plan and purpose for his life. Praise God. Now, once we know and once we've become enlightened to the, to the fact that God does have a plan for our lives, it's our responsibility then to, to seek and to follow God's plan and purpose for our lives. As I said, you know, God was merciful to, to Saul and he had his hand on him even all those years where he was uh, not following Christ but was actually persecuting the church. And yes, God's been merciful to each one of us, and has His hand on us and guiding us and protecting us, even when we're not acknowledging Him to guide us into His plan. But once we discover it, you know, we can't just say, "Oh, well, I'm just still going to do my own thing and just trust that everything's going to work out all right." Because God's, you know, got a plan for me. No, no, we have to. We have a part to play. We have to. We have to seek His will. We have to seek His plan, and uh, and endeavor to follow His plan and His purpose for our lives. Hebrews 12 talks about that. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance what? The race that is set before us. That's God's plan. For our lives, that's God's plan for each one of our lives. That the race that's set before us, and so He says that we're to do that. And uh, he, I want to point out a couple of things here. First of all, He says, "Let us run how? With what? With endurance. With endurance." With endurance. So to follow God's plan for our lives, it, it's going to take endurance. It's going to take stick to itiveness. If I said that right. Because it's a lifelong pursuit. It's a lifelong pursuit. Following God's plan. So it takes endurance. We have to stay with it. There's going to be times where we can get discouraged. As the scripture goes on to say here. And we'll get to that in a minute. But look at what else he says here in this verse. In verse 1 he says, Let us lay aside what? Are we there? Let us lay aside what? Every weight. Let us lay aside every weight and lay aside what else? The sin which so easily ensnares us, all right? That might be different for each one of us. I, you know, there's, there's some sins that, that it's like, well, that's not even a temptation. I would, I would never consider doing that. I would never think of doing that. It, that, that might be something that, that, that you struggle with. Uh, so, it, so that's different for everybody. But it, the sin that would easily ensnare us And he says, we're to lay those things aside. We're to lay aside that sin. Why? Because it will easily ensnare us, and you can't, if you're entangled and ensnared, you can't run, right? And then he also says, let's lay aside every weight. See, there's things in our lives that are not necessarily sin, but they can be a weight. They can be a distraction. They can slow us down. They can keep us from fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our life. He says, let's lay those aside. Let's lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. So see, that's our responsibility. We have to do that, right? Yeah. And so, again, we do it by the grace of God. We do it by the help of the Holy Spirit, certainly. But that's something that we have to choose to do. Lay aside every weight and the sin... Where it so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, what? The race that's set before us. God's plan, God's purpose for each of our lives. Praise God. And then he says this in verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did Jesus follow God's plan for his life? Uh, we don't have any debate about that, do we? <laughs> he absolutely did, didn't he? Absolutely. Praise God. And he completed it. And when he hung on the cross, he said, it's finished. He did it. He fulfilled it. Aren't we glad that Jesus fulfilled the plan the Father sent him to accomplish? That was our redemption. That, that purchased our salvation. Praise God. So he says, we're to look to Jesus as our example he, he is the author and finisher of our faith. And he, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The, what was the joy that was set before him? The joy was seeing us looking down through the ages and seeing all those who would believe on him, all those who would call on his name, and and he, would, and see, and he could see the shackles and the bondage of Satan break off of our lives and he could see each one of us come from spiritual death to spiritual life. That was what his sacrifice produced and that's the joy that was set before him. Praise God. Well, you know, he's done the work of redemption and and he's purchased salvation but unless people hear about it, it will do them no good. So that's where we come in. That's where our story comes in. That's where our plan comes. Comes in. That's where our, our part in God's story comes in. And when we embrace our, the, the plan God has for us, then we're helping that to happen for the message of salvation to get out, for others to hear. And so that same joy can be set before us. Amen? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Does that mean? It means he's, he, got, he got, when he sat down, it means it was finished. It was done. He completed it. Amen. And verse 3, For considered him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And so again, there, you're going to have opportunities because the, the, the devil certainly doesn't want you discovering and walking in and fulfilling God's plan for your life. He'd rather you do anything else then do that. And so he's going to come against you to try to discourage you, to try to distract you, to try to keep you out of God's will and God's plan for your life. And and so he he wants to get you weary. He wants to get you discouraged. And so he says, let's look to Jesus. Let's consider him. Lest we become weary and discouraged in our souls. Praise God. So again... He said, it's the race that's set before us. Back in verse 1, let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I want to point this out. We're not racing against each other. Well, I'm going to try to be a better Christian than Jeff. Well, I'm going to try to learn more scripture. Well, done. it's done too late. He's got about a four-mile head start on me on that one. No, we're not racing against each other. It's an individual, everyone has their unique race. You're really racing against yourself and against the devil. Amen. All right. Not against one another. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Like they say in NASCAR, if you're not first, you're last. All right. So run to win. Again, it's not against each other. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it <coughs> to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for what? An eternal prize. We're running for an eternal prize. When we, when we embrace God's plan and we, when we endeavor to follow God's plan for our life and we stick with it and we stay with it, we're going to get, when we get to heaven... We're going to get an eternal prize. Amen. Praise God. Angelina's giving us an object lesson here. She's she's fine. On running our race. She's running her race tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. We're doing it for an eternal prize. Amen. So I run. I I I wanted to read it in the New Living because I like this next phrase in verse 26. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. Praise God! I love that. I run with purpose in every step. I've got a purpose now. Glory to God. I've been. Peter says in First Peter that by the blood of Jesus we've been redeemed from a purposeless life. We've got purpose now. Yeah, you know, I think I. I think I shared with you uh, the. Uh, uh, the statistics of, of the young people that are in depression and, and, and the suicide rates are up and depression rates are up among young people. And I saw another another statistic, same thing. Well, because people, without Christ, people have no purpose. And they're told, of, you know, they're burning the planet up if they drive a car and all of this stuff and, and all, you know, all these things, you know, all this, all this bad stuff happening and they, they're told that they're victims and they're oppressed and, and all of that. No wonder they're depressed. No wonder they're contemplating suicide. But when you when you come to know Jesus and you understand that He's got a plan and purpose for your life, then you've got purpose. You've got a reason for living. Amen? Praise God. I run with purpose in every step, Paul says. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it. To do what I should; otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What's he talking about? He's talking about keeping his flesh under. See, we can get we can get so caught up, and it's so easy to do, so caught up in catering to our flesh, and and again, that can be sin, but even not necessarily sin, but just you know, just. Taking care of your, of, your, of your flesh. Now, we should take care of our bodies and be good stewards of our bodies, certainly. But we can get so conscious of natural things, is what I'm talking about, that, that spiritual things become distant to us. That spiritual things aren't clear to us. That the plan of God, the purpose of God isn't clear to us. And so he says, I, I, I discipline my body. In other words, he said, I keep my, uh, I keep my flesh under Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, there are people in, that, run, that run races, track and field, things like that. They can be disqualified in that race if they, don't, if they don't compete according to the rules and the guidelines of the race, right? Yeah. And so Paul says, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to keep my flesh under. Uh, I want to read you um, this is good, a good place to read this, the, the preface to uh, this book uh, by Kenneth Hagin, called, interestingly enough, Following God's Plan for Your Life. So, now, the, I'm, the, the mess, the, what I'm teaching is original material. It's not, I've not really taken anything out of his book here, although I'm not saying I won't before this series is over. But I do want to read this in the preface here. We live in a day when we don't have time to play church ...or to fool around with the devil's games in our lives. The last days are upon us. The end of all things is at hand. Critical years lie ahead of us. For there is a great work to be done... ...and a great harvest of souls to be reaped. Never has it been so important for us... ...to be free from all that has bound us in the past. Never has it been so crucial for us... ...to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and for each of us to follow God's plan for our lives. It's time to shape up, friends. It's time to get serious about serving God and to be everything God wants us to be. As you walk in obedience to God, your past failures and shortcomings, which have hindered you from walking in the Spirit, won't be able to keep what the Lord has ordained for you from coming to pass. Isn't that good news? If you do your part by preparing and obeying, all the carnal plans of man and all the demons of hell, in hell won't keep his plan from being fulfilled. Nothing will be able to detract or offset what God has proclaimed for your life. Praise God. I love that. Amen. And I receive that. Praise God. Let's go uh, talk about Paul a little bit more. Second Timothy, he says this. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, verse 6 in the New Living, he said, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Wow. Think about it. In the, in the Old Testament, they had what was known as a drink offering. That was one type of offering where they would take, you know, a liquid and they would pour it out before the Lord as a drink offering. And he said, that's what my life has... He, was, he, knew, he knew that he was at the end and it was time for him to go and be with the Lord. And he says that. He said, the time of my, the time of my death is near. Uh, another translation, which I like a lot better, many other translations say the time of my... He says, the time of my departure is at hand. Hallelujah. I like that a lot better. He's not dying. He's not dying. He's just getting on the train. He's just getting on the plane, getting on the train to glory. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. But that first part, he says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as as an offering to God. I pray that I'm able to say that at the end of my race, that my life was poured out as an offering to God. I I don't want my glass to be left half full, that I halfway did it, that I halfway poured it out, but I want, I want to be able to say my life has been poured out as an offering to God. I pray that would be the case for each one of us. Amen. Now, but earlier, in it, so he says, the time of my departure is at hand. So he knew it's, it's about time for him to go uh, to be with the Lord, go to heaven. But earlier in his ministry, he, had, he, he was faced with a similar situation, but he, but he made a different decision here. Let's go to Philippians 1, verse 21. He says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. But if I live on in the flesh... So he's, he was thinking it through at that time. Do I stay or do I go? Right. <laughs> You've heard the <this> psalm. <laughs> uh, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor... Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Now, this is blows away the thinking that, oh, well, you know, when God gets ready to take you, he's just going to take No, Paul said, what I shall choose. You get to choose. You get to choose. Don't let the devil choose for you. You choose. Oh, well, when the Lord gets ready for me, he's just going to take Everybody's got their appointed time to die. You know, the Bible says that, but no, it doesn't. You're thinking about, but misquoting, book of Hebrews, where it says, it is appointed unto man to die once. You will die one time, should Jesus tarry. That's appointed. It's not your appointed time. You determine that. There's things we can do to lengthen our days. If we'll honor our parents, it says we'll live long. The Bible talks about the wisdom of God. Proverbs, length of days are in a right hand. Amen? So we, there are things we can do to lengthen our days. There's other things we can do to shorten our days. All right. So it's up to us. That's what Paul was saying here. He said, what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I'm hard-pressed. Between the two, having a desire. What I really want to do, he says, I'm ready to go. What I really want to do, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Verse 24, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I think he decided right as he was was writing that letter. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Wow. He he realized, even as he was writing that letter, he realized, hey, wait a minute, (laughs) I'm not finished yet. You know, instead of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, he he got to thinking, you know, if I go now, I'm probably going to hear, what are you doing here now? We're not ready. We don't have your mansion ready yet. You weren't supposed to be here. Amen. Praise God. So he made that decision, now I'm going to stay. And so later on then, when he's writing to Timothy here in 2 Timothy, he knew some years had passed. And he says, okay, now it's time. Now I'm ready to go. My life's been poured out as an offering to God. And he says in the New Living in verse, 20, uh, verse 7, 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I fought the good fight. I have what? Finished the race. And I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And we'll come back to that in a second, but... I want to uh, read it in the King James back in verse 7. I fought a good fight. Let's put the King James. There we go. I fought a good fight. I finished what? My course. My course. See, each one of us has a course, a race course, the course of our life. I finished my course. So again, we're not racing against each other, but he said, I finished my course. Everybody's course is different. Amen? And so he said, I finished mine, and I've kept the faith. Now let's go back to verse, uh, the New Living, verse, verse 8 in the New Living. He says, now the prize awaits me. He said, and he says, and the prize is not just for me. Yeah, there we go. The prize awaits me. What is that prize? The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And not just me, rest of the verse says, and not just me, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his... You mean mean that you and I can get that same crown of righteousness that Paul's going to get? We absolutely can. We absolutely can. So he finished his race, finished his course. The prize awaits him. And he says, this crown of righteousness, he says, it's not just for me, guys. It's for all who who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So, to successfully follow God's plan for our lives, we, we must keep our focus and we must set our affection on Jesus and on his coming. Again, that's one of the... Uh, I've talked about the... Uh, the Jesus Revolution movie on Sunday, and I've seen it twice already. plan to see it again later this week. But uh, that's one thing about the Jesus movement at that in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. There was such an emphasis on the coming of the Lord. You say, well, they were misled. That was 50 years ago and Jesus hadn't come. No, they weren't misled. That's, that's the way we should live. The first century believers, Paul himself, talked about that, and encouraged people to live ready and expectant and looking for the coming of the Lord. Amen? And, and see, it, you know, again, it, it speaks to our, our priorities. It speaks to where, where our affection really is. Instead of saying, oh, Jesus, you're coming back soon. Could you wait, Lord? There's still several things on my bucket list that I've not accomplished yet that I'd like to check off. We may not say it that way, but there are times where we've thought that or there's times where our, really our heart or our, our, our affection has been that direction rather than, Jesus, you can, you can preempt my plans anytime you want. Now, we're, we're to live. You know, we didn't don't, don't go and hide out in the mountains and, oh, Jesus is coming back. Now, we're to, we're to occupy, we're to live our life, we're to go forward, we're to, we're to pursue God's plan for our life but we're to live with an anticipation and a longing for his coming. Because that's where home is. That's really where home is. I think about the testimony of Don Piper, the Baptist minister. I think this happened in the late 80s, 1989, when he ran, had a head-on collision with a tractor-trailer going across a bridge down in the Houston, around Houston, Texas area. And he died on the scene and was dead for 90 minutes and was revived when another Baptist preacher, believe it or not, Baptist preacher came along and uh, was compelled. They'd both been at a retreat and the preacher that came along after the wreck didn't know that it was Don. He knew Don, but at the time he didn't know who it was, but he just was compelled by the Holy Spirit, go pray for that man, you know, that's in that, in that crumpled up car. And he went and... Uh, the authorities, you know, were there. The, the first responders were there. And he said, I need to get in there and pray for that man. They said, you can't, you can't do that. And um, he said, well, God told me to. I need to pray. He said, well, he's dead. You can't, you know. Well, I don't know, what, I don't know about that, but I just know that God told me to pray for this man. And he went to, and started praying for him and then started singing the song we sang Sunday. What a friend we have in Jesus. And the dead man started singing with him. That's Don Piper. Don revived. And those 90 minutes that he was dead, he had spent in heaven. When he wrote a book about it, 90 minutes in heaven. And he said, heaven, he said, he said when I got there, he said, I was home. He said, he said I never wanted to be anywhere any more than I wanted to be there. When I got there, there was such a feeling of being home. That's where our home is. That's where our real home is. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So if we're, if, we're, if we're really going to follow God's plan, that has to be our mindset, that we're just pilgrims and strangers here, like Peter wrote. Now, again, we should enjoy life here. We should live fulfilling lives here, certainly. We should, you know, uh, care for our families and do all of those things, Certainly. But, but, our, but our eternal perspective, we're living for heaven. Amen. And that's how we, that's how we will follow, truly follow God's plan. Now, uh, there's two, we've got a little bit of time, so I'll, I'll cover this. So there's two main components of following God's plan for our life. And that's, it's very simple. Follow the word of God and follow the Holy Spirit. God sent the Holy Spirit to live in us to be our teacher and to be our guide. And so if we'll follow the Holy Spirit and we'll follow the written word of God, the Bible, then we can discover and follow fully God's plan for our life. Amen. Uh, And, you know, a lot of times people pray, Lord, I just, you know, please show me your will. Show me what your will is for my life. And people sometimes struggle with that. And and, and I understand that, that, that we can do that. But, Oh, I've just been, I just want God to show me what he wants me to do. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you been doing what he's already told you to do in his word? Because if we aren't, if we pray, oh Lord, show me your will. But if we're not doing what he's already told us to in his word, I would think the Lord's attitude would be, why should I, why should I show you anymore when you're not doing what I've already plainly shown you and told you it's my will for you in my word. Hallelujah! Let's look at some verses. Romans twelve two. Romans twelve two says, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? With well, the word of God, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and what." Perfect will of God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. In other words, that we may live out and walk out the will of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, he gives us some simple instructions, but they're profound at the same time. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Why? Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know the will of God? Here it is. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Yeah, 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 I know that, but I want to to know what he wants me to do. Well, I'll tell you what he wants you to do. He wants you to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is... The will of God in Christ Jesus. And just in and just you know, just in case we thought it might be for somebody else, he makes it very clear it's for you. Amen. That was he was writing to the Thessalonians, but he was writing. That's God's word to every believer, every child of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in everything. Give thanks. Start right there. I don't know what God wants me to do. There it is right there. Start right there. Amen. Here's another one. In, in 1 Thessalonians, back in chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. Okay, get ready. He, I'm, he says he's announcing it. Okay, this is the will of God. What is it? Your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That's the will of God. That's plain. That's simple. That's clear. Amen? This is the will of God, that your sanctification, sanctification means set apart for God. Amen? It's the will of God that our lives and our bodies be set apart for Him. Amen? And for us to recognize and understand that, that any sexual activity outside the framework of marriage between a husband and wife is sexual immorality. And this is, he said, this is the will of God that you abstain from that. This is the will of God that you be set apart for God. Amen. Praise God. For, here's another one. First Peter 2, verse 15. For this is the will of God. There it is again. You know, again, we, we need to be doing the revealed will of God before we can expect God to show us more. Well, what is it, Peter? This is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I thought we were supposed to argue with them. No, we're supposed to do good. Amen. We're supposed, there, are, there are times where we're supposed to speak and share the gospel, but it's not to argue and get into an argument with foolish and, and ignorant people. Uh, But we're to do good and let our works, let our good deeds do the talking. Amen. What is that? That's the will of God. Amen. For each one of us. Praise the Lord. And then finally this, Hebrews 10, verse 36. For you have need of endurance so that what? After you have done. After you have done, done what? The will will of God. The will of God is to be done. It's not to be debated about. It's not to be philosophized about. It's to be done. We're just to act it out. We're to do it. We're to act on God's word. We're to be doers of the word of God. Amen? You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. When are we going to receive the promise? After we do the will of God. Amen. And and he's talking about his will that's revealed in his word. So that's where we start following the plan of God. We start doing everything we can find to do in the word of God. Amen. When we do that, then that gets us on the road. And then the Holy Spirit can guide us. And then God can begin to speak to us and give us specifics. Amen? Praise God.